0: This is an ABC podcast. So The End of the World is Bigger Than Love is told from the two points of view of identical twins, summer and winter, who are about 15 when they're telling the story. And right from the start, we know that they're alone on an island and something really catastrophic has happened to the rest of the world. And they're living in um, the shell of a church with just a box of their mother's old books alone. And you're trying to figure out as the reader what's happened to the rest of the world? How did they end up there? And you realise quite soon on that their two versions of events don't match up. So you're trying as the reader to figure out what is the truth, who is telling the truth in this story, what actually has happened and how are they ever going to escape from this island? And quite soon into the novel, a stranger arrives and sort of upends for a little cocoon they've made for themselves. And then hopefully at the end, I always imagine it would be a bit like a really satisfying Tetris game where it all kind of falls into place and you realise, oh, this part of this one's story is true and that's what actually happened to their father and this is where they both end up on that journey.
1: I mean, you've hinted at the world there that we find twins summer and winter living in, but what kind of world is that?
0: Well. I need to preface this by saying that I started writing this book eight years ago and it's just been published right now, but it's actually a world that's been ravaged by a global pandemic and it's also been torn apart by internet fueled hatred. So those two themes are so strong in our world today, in a way I could never have predicted in 2012 when I started writing the novel. So it's really a world that's been completely ravaged by human actions, and then by this pandemic, and also um, it has sort of a climate change angle as well. So it's set in the future, but I always imagine it's about seven, eight, nine, ten years in the future. But my editor always thought it was maybe fifty years in the future. But it's a futuristic world with a lot of similarities to our own world, and no, no more so than right now, today, in a really weird way.
1: Now, summer and winter, uh, to me, Davina, they do seem a little bit like the opposites of their names, where I feel like summer is, can be a little cold at times, whereas winter seems to have all the feels. Have I got those two worked out correctly? <laughs>
0: Mm, that's a really interesting question. So, the idea in my mind with those two characters is that they would be the mirror image of each other. And it was that summer seems really kind of harsh and cold. She's had to be quite protective and defensive, but inside she's really, it's because she's a very vulnerable person and she's trying to be really protective of winter and winter is sort of seems really emotional and soft and maybe even a little bit weak, but actually at the end of the day and at the climax of the book, she's the steely one, she's a really strong one. Um, So I guess I was playing with the notions of a character's inner world and external world and how much they do or don't match up and how much these two characters throughout their two narratives that they're telling you, how much they change and stop roles in their own relationship, which I think is a really interesting thing to explore with siblings. The kind of roles you take on just as a matter of history or a matter of course, and then how as you grow into yourself and become further along the road to becoming an adult how you're kind of locked into those roles and how you might break out of them and rebel against them. So that was a really interesting part to explore in the book as well, as well as the cyber terrorism and the pandemic and um, (laughs) all those other elements.
1: Is it also in terms of using twins? I mean, you mentioned being able to explore siblings and them being in this situation, but do you feel that by making them twins, that heightens it in terms of the dynamic that twins normally have?
0: Absolutely. I've always been so incredibly fascinated by that dynamic with twins, particularly identical twins, where the world might see you as almost the same person, and yet you are a person with your own identity and personhood and how much you must want to break away from being linked with a twin, but how much that twin forms a part of who you are and how you might never know yourself outside of that relationship because you have always had us so all those things my whole life I've been by twins and that kind of idea of who are you inside and outside that relationship and coincidentally just after I started writing the book two of my friends got pregnant with twins and I've been watching them grow up over these years and looking at those things play out in real time so it's always been a really strong area of fascination for
1: me. Oh, you're right about watching twins, particularly if they are preschool age, grade one age, they can fight like there's no tomorrow, but they can be also extremely supportive at the same time of each other. Absolutely. And there's something incredibly self-sufficient about a set of twins
0: in a way that the world would kind of group them together and assume they're kind of a unit and then that they might have their own kind of wants and needs to engage with the world separately. I think that's such an interesting dynamic and that's really what I've watched play out with my friends' kids and I was really gratified that that is such a big part of um, summer and winter story as well.
1: Davina, there are snippets of what is happening, but you've deliberately made the reader sort of come with you and you kind of drip feed bits of information. There is that unreliable narrative between both of the, the characters, uh, both summer and winter. You're not entirely sure who's uh, telling you the truth and who's not. But can you talk me through what it was about the story in why this was such a, a great way for you to be able to bring the reader with you on this story?
0: Well, I guess at its heart, it's a story about owning your own story. So in terms of drip feeding the bits of information, it's almost as if at the start, winter particularly, and summer, they both have had such traumatic things happen to them that they can't actually process it. And they're kind of hiding parts of the story from each other. So I deliberately drip-fed the information so that it was as they grow and change and are able to come to terms with different parts of what's happened to them, particularly what's happened to their mum and their dad, um, they're able to kind of face up to that and process that grief. And in those moments of that courage of owning their own story, they're revealing that story to the reader as it goes along. So the idea is that you're getting little bits of their backstory from both narrators, but that also that it's going back and forth in time. So you're eventually you get the whole piece of the puzzle of how they've come to be where they are. But yeah, I've tried really carefully to control at which point you learn which part of information for kind of maximum emotional impact. And I guess it's, yeah, it's about owning your own narrative and facing up to the parts of you that are dark or, where you've betrayed people or broken promises or made mistakes and that sometimes it takes a lot of courage to face up to that part of your own story as well.
1: Davina, this is your first young adult novel. Did you approach this in a different way to the way that you write your other children's work and other middle grade work? That's a really interesting question. I think this novel came about in so much
0: more of an organic way than any of my other writing. And it's so much more of a complex and kind of wild story. And in a way, I think that was me kicking back against writing in a shorter form or a more straightforward or simplified form, which I do with my picture books and my junior fiction and maybe even my um, middle grade fiction to an extent. I think you can really see in just how chatty the voice is and how kind of complex the storylines are that I'm really enjoying of playing in this much bigger space but in terms of how i approached it it really was so much a matter of all these little ideas and flashes and sort of points of story that came to me at different times and then fitting them together in an overarching structure whereas i think for shorter books or for more simplified ones I'd have a much more straightforward sort of narrative arc. But this was really like trying to tame a really wild horse, trying to fit all these bits of the puzzle altogether.
1: So how did you keep control of that wily horse? <laughs> oh, my God. Can I just say it's one of the hardest things I've ever
0: done because, because you've got these two stories going on simultaneously and you've got to keep track of when you've revealed certain parts of information and when you've gone back in time and forward in time and you're trying to make it obvious to the reader which parts of both stories are actually the same part, just told differently. So what I actually did is I had huge walls of post-it notes and one colour was Summer Story and one colour was Winter's and I was trying to... um, track where they diverge and where they go apart and where the holes are between the two narratives and where they fit together. And I was constantly, right up until the book went to print, I was changing the order of the story and moving sections around. And my incredible and very patient editor, um, Elena Gagoulis at Text Publishing, she was so patient and really um, stepped through that with me the whole way and put up with me really at the last minute saying, hang on a second, that whole section that happens in Egypt, I think we've got to move it completely around and that means I've got to combine (laughs) these other two earlier sections. So it really was touch and go right up to the last minute if I could pull it off. And it was um, not, I would say, not a relaxing process
1: (laughs) at all. Well, there's a lot of references to classic children's books, but also other well known literature classics. I wanted to know, I mean, what did you read growing up, and are there some of your favourite books that get mentioned in here? Absolutely.
0: This is literally, this whole book is a love song to how much I love books and how how books have shaped my life. So I'm I was a book editor and now I'm a book publisher. And books have formed such a huge part of my friendships and my working life and my identity. So it really is like a love song to all the books that shaped me growing up. So every book that's in there, I think, is a book that I read as a child or as a young person and really felt kind of formed a part of my identity. And it's everything from Pride and Prejudice to Anne Frank to The Velveteen Rabbit to The Outsiders and the stories about The Glass Family by Salinger. It's really just this, it was my chance to just say, I love you to books. And I hope that people reading it, especially young people, if they're not familiar with the books, they might go out and seek them out after reading this novel and getting little, lots of the little snapshots of the books actually shape the plot or kind of interplay with the plot or are an instigator for some kind of action or tension. So I hope that um, it would be my dream that people go and seek out all those books because they're really the ones that have stayed with me and really shaped me as a person.
1: Now, Davina, there is this really interesting part in the book where you're not entirely sure if perhaps Summer is starting to disassociate herself with the life that she currently finds herself in, that perhaps being in this isolation with only her twin sister may have affected her in some other way, uh, not just in a physical way, but possibly in a, a psychological way. And I, I'm i really interested about this narrative that we have once the boy turns up, Edward, where Winter describes Edward as a boy, but yet Summer's narrative is very much about the boy being a bear. What did you want to do with that? Have I I got that correct?
0: (laughs) You have, yeah. So in the narrative, at the same point in the narrative, the girls are by themselves on this island and a stranger shows up. And in one version, it's Edward and he is a boy, quite a handsome boy. And in the other version, it's a small bear that grows into a much larger bear. And I wanted the reader kind of to be thinking the whole time, is it a boy? Is it a bear? Or is it neither? Or is it both? And I guess to me, overarching all of those questions is that the boy represents threat. He is kind of the threat to their relationship and he's what's going to drive them apart. But in driving them apart, he also kind of gives Winter the chance to break free from that relationship. That really intense relationship with summer. So, I guess the boy is the sim, the boy slash bear is the symbolism for um, threat and change and growth and also loss and danger. He's all those things mixed together. And I won't say too much more because the, it is a very easy book to spoil. But hopefully, by the end, the reader kind of puts together which version of those is the closest to the truth.
1: I really enjoyed that as a reader of trying to work that out which is why I asked whether it was correct or not but also because there's a line in there about a guinea pig but then the inference is that they didn't bury a guinea pig because the hole was a lot bigger so then it makes me wonder that there's obviously something else coming in the story. That wraps all of that up of um of the way that things are described in particular. So you kind of um, get this sense that they are these lovely twins who were able to look after themselves after everything that had happened, but that there was this underlying feeling of perhaps they've done something not so lovely <laughs> in the
0: past. Well, that is um all part of the resolution, I guess, and you're correct. there are little sort of easter eggs or hints throughout that all that they're telling you is not what it seems and that kind of as the book goes on they're coming to terms with those the things that they've done and the mistakes that they've made and the choices they've been kind of forced into which do include digging a very large hole Um, but you're correct they're absolutely as you go along hopefully observant readers like
1: yourself will pick up that there are these little hints that all is not what it seems. Now, Davina, the start of this book is dedicated to your mother. Why did you dedicate this novel to your mum? Yeah, it's actually dedicated to the memory of my mum. And I
0: started writing this book, as I said, in 2012. And in 2014, I made the decision to move um, back from Melbourne to Western Australia, where my family's from, because my mum had really advanced Parkinson's disease and she was starting to get dementia. Um, And I wanted to be closer hand so I could be a help to my family. So from 2014 to 2016, I was living in the country outside of Perth, and I was going up and down to Perth and having my mum down to stay with me. And as that time went along, um, she was losing her memory and her function and really herself. And so I guess as I was writing the book, which is a lot to do with losing the twin's mother and the circumstances of that. In hindsight, I can see probably I was processing my own grief and the own idea of losing my mum. And then about five weeks after I finished the first draft, my mum quite unexpectedly passed away. So it's dedicated to her memory. And I guess to the idea, there's a line. So in the dedication, it says, um, to the memory of my mother. And then it says, the ending is not the story. And I guess I wanted to point out that the end of someone's life, like in my mum's life, Her becoming a person who was sort of so small and scared and forgetful. That wasn't the whole narrative of her life, and that she'd lived a big and amazing and grand life. And she'd been a nurse in Africa, in Lesotho, and um, she'd ridden a white horse across plains there, and she'd done all kinds of fantastic aid work, and that her life was so much more than what she ended up. And it's the same with the girl's mum in the story. The end of her life is really brutal and terrible and forms a huge part of the life but that she lived this beautiful sparkling life so I guess I wanted to dedicate it to that idea of not just how my mum ended up but to the beauty and glory of everything that she'd done for the world and inadvertently the whole time I was writing I was probably had that in the subconscious part of my mind but it wasn't till after she passed away and I read back over the draft a couple of years later left it in a drawer for a couple of years and then I realized oh the whole time I think I was probably just preparing myself on some level for that to happen.
1: Now that I understand that story, Davina, I can see those points now, how much of that had seeped into what it was that you were were writing about between these two characters as well. I also wonder, you know, what do you hope that readers get out of this novel? What are you hoping they Mm -hmm. walk away with, apart from a really good reading list of classics they might not have read?
0: (laughs) I suppose when I really have sat down to think about it now that the novel has just been published. So it is set in this kind of bleak world where there's been a lot of hatred and violence and sickness and terrible things have happened, but there is a resistance in that world. And I suppose what I wanted readers to take away is that that love can change us and that love can motivate us to action and that love is what will open yourself up to writing a different story and whether that's in your own life or if that's what you choose to go out and do for the world, I guess I just really wanted to explore the notion that in the end, when everything has been ripped away from you, when you're feeling hopeless, when you've lost people, at the end of the day, all you really do have is love and love and connection and memory. And then it's what do you do with those things in the world? So I hope readers take away kind of the preciousness of life, but maybe like the overarching power of love
1: to make change in the world. Davina, now that you've written your first YA novel, what do you think looking back on it? Looking
0: back on it, okay, I must admit I have um, slight feelings of nausea when I remember (laughs) how hard it was. (laughs) It was such a, I don't know why I set myself such a high high wire balancing act of a book to new unreliable narratives back and forth in time, future, past. But also it was editing, the editing experience was such a gratifying and intellectually challenging and satisfying experience. That relationship I had with my editor, Elena, and her vision for the book and how we really worked together so hard to make that happen that was such a challenging but joyful experience. So I guess i walk away with that. And also just thinking, mate, novels are so hard to write and hats off to anyone who tries and then to anyone who makes it to the end and then to anyone who makes it to the end of the end of the publishing process. It really is such an act of love to the world to write a novel and such a sacrifice because you're never really going to make that much money out of it anyway. So I guess I'm just kind of that part of the storytelling in the world exists because it is such a struggle, but but also to have gone through that process and to be a part of it. And now thinking that Patricia engaged with it is sort of terrifying and makes me feel elated at the same time and the fact that even you want to you want to talk about it with me and discuss it and that there are ideas that you pick up on and that I'm exploring realising it's not just all in my own head anymore it's kind of a dialogue now and that feels so invigorating and so lucky.
1: So Davina do you think this will be the start of possibly writing YA and you know are you considering writing another YA book? that's
0: such a good question and people have been asking me lately because I'm most well known for writing picture books and I've written for all different ages but I actually started off writing short stories for adults and I guess when I think about what project I'm going to do next I always feel like I want to try something really different and I've been sort of half jokingly say I'm going to write an adult rom-com and I don't know if that's just a pipe (laughs) dream (laughs) might just be a pipe dream um but I don't know, I sort of feel like this time of COVID-19 where we've all kind of been shut away, has given a lot of time for reflection and also has sort of made me feel kind of restless in my own life. So the idea of trying to do something new and scary, maybe, maybe that's what I've got to do next. I'm not entirely sure. In terms of writing another YA, oh, I don't know. There are people who do it so well and have such a natural gift for it. And I feel as if this story isn't really a traditional YA novel in a lot of ways. At all, so I sometimes think oh, I just leave it to the experts and try something else.
1: I don't know, but sometimes that's where the the fun and the innovation comes from too you know that Mm, um that as a reader you're you get used to reading uh the way that young adult fiction is written and you get used to the way that certain authors write but then it is that book that kind of challenges you with is it a boy is it a bear what's the guinea pig uh that you go oh wow what's happening here you know it's um so yeah i don't think you should be too harsh on yourself yet davina (laughs) okay well that's good to know i guess it's hard because um you're right. It is a really unconventional
0: book, and in some ways, there was a real conversation at one point: should it be published as a young adult book or an adult book? So I feel like it doesn't fit neatly into any category because it's got a bit of magic realism with the talking whale and the bear, and then it's got um, it's sort of speculative and slightly sci-fi-y or something. So it's not an easy one to categorise by any means.
1: And just, Davina, on what you were saying about having this time with the pandemic and being able to kind of look at things with a different light but also have the time to be able to explore that, I mean, what have you made of of having this time to be able to think about your writing and to think about those things that, as you were saying, you know, that you might challenge yourself with uh, in in the coming years? Mm, Such a good question.
0: I would say the overarching things that have come to me is that books and writing is such... To me, in the pandemic, books were like friends, and there was such comfort and joy in the familiarity of books I'd loved, and rereading books that I'd loved, and kind of having books around me. And then at the same time, I kind of wanted to write something that celebrated all the beautiful, tiny kindnesses and acts of generosity and sacrifice that were going on. So I really feel like it made me want to write things that were meaningful and joyful in the world, and that also it kind of reassured me because it's. It is really hard in the publishing industry. It's such a tough industry and it's so hard to sell books and find readers and it always feels like it's on this knife edge. But it really did assure me like, no, this is an important part of the world. This is narrative is when you strip everything else away, when you're locked away in your house, when you're worried about death and sickness, narrative is sometimes all you've got, the stories you're telling yourself and the stories you're seeking out elsewhere. So it really did affirm to me, the power of that and then the importance of that. And it made me really want to harness that in a way that feels positive and celebratory and I feel like ah, whatever I write next, I want it to have kind of the power of the emotion that we all felt in this time kind of baked into it. And I feel feel like whatever you write kind of have, as we talked about, the circumstances of your life seep into it. Just like with my mum and writing this novel, I feel like whatever you do, it's like it's sort of – even if you feel like writing something completely different – the world trickles into it somehow. And so I really want the part of this that trickles into the world to be the kind of the rawness and power of those emotions that we all felt in this time where it was so uncertain and so scary and so unknown.
1: You're listening to Rihanna Patrick on ABC Radio.